What's up, everybody? Hope y'all are having a great, uh, great week here. Um, hope your fall is going splendid already. It's uh, shaping up to be a pretty nice one. Um, just have a couple of announcements for you. The first one is the Seek Outside crew is going to be at uh, the Overland Expo, the Eastern Overland Expo in Arrington, Virginia. That's this weekend. So that's October, uh, I believe it is the 8th through the 10th or the 12th, uh, something like that, whatever this this weekend is here in October. Um, so go check us out. We're going to have uh, some tents over there. So, you know, if you want to you want to put your eyes on one before you buy one, uh, see what the size actually looks like, see what the stoves feel like, see how actually light they are, um, feel free to stop by. The other one is... Um, I just wanted to let you know that Farm to Summit, that uh, delicious um, uh, dehydrated meal um, company down there in Durango, Colorado, that uh, makes all their meals from, or the majority of their meals from Seconds Produce, uh, they're having a Kickstarter um, to kind of get some new packaging, you know, kind of revamp their business. So uh, go check them out on Instagram if you want to go help them out and support them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not getting paid for this or anything like that. I just, I really like what they're doing. So if you are in the same boat, feel free to, um, just go support them over on their social media and, and that Kickstarter. So, all right. So what we got coming down the pike for you today is going to be, we're going to be talking about finding a camp spot, you know, and scenario specific camp spots, uh, me and Owen, as well as we're going to be talking about some of the most ludicrous outdoor gear items, um, from, you know, like luxury designer brands. Um, so that's a fun one. So yeah, hope you guys enjoy the, the podcast here and we'll chat at you later. Welcome to the Seek Outside Podcast. Hey, you, should, you think that's bad? See Ryan on the phone in the office. <laughs> But um, I, I, before we get into the, because we do have some fun stuff today, we're going to be talking about uh, camp spots, kind of picking your camp spots, um, but we kind of wanted to retort our last gear podcast, which was talking about cheap gear, uh, cheap, cheap gear that's really good. Cheap, but good, yeah. And this podcast, we're going to just start off with some ridiculously expensive gear. That's pr- let's be honest, it's probably not good because it's not made by outdoor companies. No, but um, but the thing is, could be good. The more money you spend, is the idea. The better it is. Oh, hundred percent. Every single time, if you spend a dollar more, you're going to get a dollar more's worth. I love my first light Brooks down jacket, but uh, what do we have here? What is your what is your favorite gear item to take out? Because I know. Yeah. You've really hit the lottery a few times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm super rich. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm personally, I'm not going to be going with the first light. What I'm going to be taking out is uh, the Louis Vuitton 2054 heat reactive sleeping bag suit. Um, you know, it's just uh, the, the down is, is sourced from rich geese and ducks. They, it's have, not they, they lay gold ducks. eggs. Yeah, they, they do lay golden eggs and they're like pampered every single day. Mm-hmm. So, um, so what's the what's the yeah. what's the temp rating on that guy? I, it doesn't anything? even say. It doesn't even. So yeah, we got a Louis Vuitton heat reactive sleeping bag suit. I encourage everybody to go um, to go look at the pictures on online of this Louis Vuitton sleeping bag. And wh- what's the? Just remind me of the cost on that real quick. Yeah. So this thing is thirteen thousand and seven hundred dollars. That's pretty. That's pretty cheap. Go look at the picture. And tell me you can't imagine Steve Rinella rocking this suit on a backpack hunting trip. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. It's bright blue Louis Vuitton. Hey, it could be good. I mean, to be honest, I, I think that's like, that's kind of what people in LA look like when yeah. it's 60 degrees outside. Oh yeah, they're, they're freezing. But yeah. look at this. It's got like a backpack thing on the bottom. I don't know. It's so weird. But uh, 
Yeah, you, you get to look like uh, the <laughs> ant from Bug's Life. As, uh, yes, yes. Boy, <laughs> so oh man, I, I really wish somebody would uh, would would come out hunting with that. That would be a fun TV show. Just yes. going out with the most ridiculous gear items and testing them out. So, if anybody's interested, what what was the name again? It was yeah. uh, Louis Vuitton twenty twenty fifty four heat reactive sleeping bag. Yeah, yeah. Um, Pretty cheap price at thirteen thousand seven hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, pretty budget. Pretty budget. Know, it it has a lot of heat ratings there and stuff. Um, this spectacular piece combines a goose feather puffer jacket with a functional sleeping bag, which can also be worn as a backpack. So that's multifunction. You can I, pa- you can pack an elk or a deer out with your sleeping bag. Oh yeah. For yeah. thirteen thousand seven hundred dollars, it might as well be a tent too. That's value. That's and, you know the first like Brooks it, down. It, it, good, it also but. it also drives like a car, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, shoot, you could probably get a yeah. Toyota Tacoma for that price right there and <laughs> sleep in your car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, man, that's ridiculous. With the heater on all night and have gas for the next month. Yeah, yeah. Um. One real quick thing, I, I meant to get into this before we went into the Louis Vuitton, but the last episode we were talking about cheap but good gear, and I was talking about the Zolio, uh, in the um, satellite messenger, and we had a guy that hit me up, and he said he took it to because I was saying that like I've heard that the the coverage is not as good in Alaska, um, but he said that he took it up to Alaska and it was actually really great. Um, you know, he, he said it, it's worked perfectly for him. So I just had to go back and correct that. I told him I would correct it on the podcast. But, yeah. all right, let's get back to this. And we're, we're always <clears throat> happy when people send things in correcting us or, or giving us good information. But yeah, what is your next item here? Um, yep. Again, it's probably really cheap. It is. It is. Um, so what we have here is the Hermes fishing rod so this is a three-piece fly fishing rod it doesn't even say like what weight it is it's just so expensive that they don't even have to specify well obviously i mean you basically look at the water and there's a fish on the end of the line yeah that's for that's, that price that's got to be what it is but this is the hermes fly fishing rod for thirteen thousand seven hundred and ninety dollars um and what this thing this thing is made out of flax fiber three flax fiber strands, whatever that is, as per traditional fly fishing method. It is, the handle is crafted from sycamore wood and full grain leather with a saddle nail on the butt cap. Uh, you know, full grain leather for something that's going to be around water. It just doesn't seem, I mean, cork is fine. Just imagine you're hiking into your fishing spot. It's early morning. And you're hiking in with your rod all built, and you put the rod tip into the ground. What? I mean, they better have a lifetime warranty for that when your rod tip you know, breaks off. For this type of thing, it's handcrafted. You know that there's no lifetime warranty for that. This is this is like a fishing rod. And, like, they have a bunch of flies and stuff that are, you know, essentially old school salmon flies that, you know, nobody work, nobody uses really anymore because they have better flies out there. <laughs> And then you get like this leather book, um, like a leather bound book with, you know, that, that's, uh, like wool or whatever that you can hook your flies up into. So it's just like, you know, there, I feel like there's this whole fad in like luxury brands of like outdoors, but also like throwing it back to retro, you For know, sure. retro stuff. Like they have the, uh, oh man, what is it called? The, the, um, bamboo, um, basket hand or like purse basket thing that you can put your fish in you put wet grass in and it keeps them cool or whatever they have that and you can get the reel a bunch of flies the fly book and the um that basket for another 13 grand so basically all said and done you're almost spending 30 grand on a whole fly fishing setup that's chump change yeah that's chump change yeah yeah no i mean you know you're obviously (laughs) going to catch more fish by using this thing so it's probably worth it yeah but if i if i'm ever out fly fishing and i see somebody using this i'm gonna i'm gonna lose my mind (laughs) like where where are you gonna see this like even veil i feels like too low class to have a fourteen thousand. yeah this this is like you got to be going to like scotland and fishing on some like palace to be running a thirteen thousand dollar fly rod i mean i mean i just 
That's insane. I wonder how many purchases they have or if they just do it for the media. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like I wonder if there's anybody who bought the Louis Vuitton sleeping bag and they were like, I'm going to go camp in my Coleman tent. I don't know. I don't. Well, you don't have to sleep in a Coleman tent because... What do you got? What do you got Bring up the next thing. So this was, was this was the most ridiculous piece of luxury outdoor equipment that I could find. Backyard uh, camping experience. Yeah. So <laughs> you got a hundred grand, right? You can buy That's chill. You can buy a tricked out forerunner with a rooftop tent, a trailer, and maybe a couple seven, dirt bikes. Seven seek outside tents. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for seven. whatever scenario you need. Yeah. And while you're at it probably gas for a lifetime yeah but no instead you're gonna take that money and you're gonna buy the louis vuitton tent for the ultimate backyard camping experience and i just have to know what is what is the price on that yeah a hundred and nine thousand dollars a hundred and nine thousand dollars literally you could buy a house no no dude (laughs) that's cheap Cheap. I, I, i put that in gas in my car every day Hey, nowadays, yeah, shit. I mean, <laughs> all, all the Ducatis I own at my house, the yeah. motorcycles, like just chewing gas up. Yeah, yeah. hundred nine grand, like. Yeah. Well, and you can throw this in the the back seat of your Ferrari. Yeah, I mean, easily. You know, it's only it's only a fifth the cost of the nicest Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, know, but yeah, no, this thing's ridiculous. It's got like clouds on the inside. So this is the this is the stupid thing. It's meant for backyard camping. Is like how it's marketed right this thing because was made it, during if COVID. you have 109 grand you probably have a fat backyard you probably do yeah and you probably you probably have some pretty good views out of your backyard so i guess i could see it but the the funniest thing that i found about this louis vuitton tent is it's not even like an item that you can purchase it's an item that you can buy if you purchase one of their trunks like one of their like storage trunks and then you can just add on this tent for $109,000. No, really? I mean, yeah. I already have a Louis Vuitton trunk. That's why I'm taking to Virginia. Yeah. Um, they probably have like a buy one, get one coupon <laughs> somewhere too. If you want. A BOGO. Yeah. Yeah. Get one other tent. Let me look at that real quick. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's ridiculous. <clears throat> um, it, the thing with these is they don't like luxury brands are not good at putting specs. I was looking for this thing. Try to find the specs, the weight, what it was made I mean, out so of. So the, the picture scroll down a little bit the picture they have is is two like cinema chairs Mm -hmm. next to what looks like you could get out of a dst tarp yeah oh yeah and and the only thing is it looks um egyptian in style i would say but yeah but it's in they shot the photo inside next to some house plants so it depends on what kind of experience you're looking at um doesn't really look seam sealed but you know i I, I think not so, seam sealed. I think you she'll, can add seam sealing for fifty five bucks. No, fifty five grand. <laughs> fifty five grand. I think yeah. she'll rip. I think she'll go. I think so. well, I'm pretty sure it was like so poly too. So what what I read on some website. Um but uh <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty pretty ridiculous. I mean it's literally kinda, it's kinda cheetah patterned, isn't it? Well, that's the Louis bit. Vuitton like oh. logo type thing, mm-hmm. you know sure people if you've ever seen louis vuitton you can you can imagine what's what this thing looks like no, but i mean i may have so many louis vuitton items it's just yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i know that color i i just know from all the frauds all the fakes that i've bought yeah <laughs> no uh yeah ridiculous thing so polls not included <laughs> polls not included <laughs> yeah polls not included you gotta throw that in it's gotta, probably like gotta cut your own sticks i mean you gotta yeah I mean, when you're rich like that you just gotta yeah um but no, there's some ridiculous luxury items out there. There, I came across a couple backpacks that were like two thousand dollars for basically a a knapsack on your back. Yeah. Um, and then you know, there's some Balenciaga hiking boots that are a thousand bucks. They're not even waterproof. So be careful out there, people. Um, you know, be careful. But there are luxury options out there for you if you want to spend extra money i genuinely hope i see one of the listeners or somebody out in the woods with 
a Louis Vuitton tent hunting. Yeah. Because I mean that is actually pretty gangster. <laughs> it would be pretty like, bad. like dude, I would yeah. be I would like come up to you, I would shake your hand and I would pay mad respect. <laughs> like what what do you do for a living? Yeah, what rifle do you have? Oh three hundred grand musket from nineteen or from eighteen thirty one. Or 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 he's like, Yeah, I only have a, a Remington seven ten. <laughs> the cheapest rifle on the on the yeah. market. Well That'd that's that's the thing. You know? It's um what do you value? Yeah. So if, now, if you need that Louis Vuitton if logo, you, if you want to look at a 16-person hot tent combo or 12-person hot tent combo, doesn't seem so bad. Yeah, this is our salesperson trick. This is like the car salesman thing where they like sell so you a we car. Have, for we, yeah, we have this Ferrari here, but then yeah. we also have this Honda Accord. Yeah, yeah. Now the Ferrari is going to be about 500 grand. Honda Accord about 40. Yeah. So oh man, that's cheap. Yeah, that's cheap as Heck shit. Heck yeah, I'll yeah. take this. Yeah. I'll take the Honda. But we also have a tank for 30. I'm taking the tank. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So so make sure you check out the website right now. After you've heard these prices for the $109,000 tent, it'll it'll seem a lot less. We definitely just didn't do a selfless self-promotion <laughs> at all. Yeah. Well, let's all right, let's get on to the serious let's stuff. Let's get here. let's get into the meat and get, potatoes. Get into the meat and potatoes. Arguably arguably less entertaining than what we just talked about. Yeah. <laughs> but more informative more informative this is i think this is a good topic that um you know people don't really think about uh we're going to be talking about like finding a camp spot you know talking about different scenarios where you want to find a certain camp spot like what to look for i think we're going to give each other a couple scenarios Mm -hmm. um and then you know we're going to say where where we would uh try to find i mean you know i i do just want to say something thinking about a camp spot should be you know on your list with like your your gear you know checklist you want to you want to at least have some ideas i mean you know if you're if you're backpacking in somewhere finding water is going to be you know unless you know that you have to bring all your water in finding water is going to be like one of the top priorities at least for me because i hate having to conserve water um you know finding uh, you you don't want to like if you're looking for a spot and the only flat spot is like a, a scree field, um, you're probably not going to be camping there. So, so preparation goes into finding a camp spot yeah. for sure. And you were talking about like using Onyx or mm-hmm. like some kind of GPS map to find a spot. It's going to be a little bit more flat and mm-hmm. more comfortable. I do raise you this though. Let me give you a situation. Yeah. You're camping by a creek. Mm-hmm. It's this time of the year, early October, late September, where it can be 70 degrees pretty nice outside but mm-hmm. at night it can be 25 really cold and when you're camping by water there's a lot of moisture no matter what shelter you're in you're gonna have a ridiculous amount of condensation mm-hmm. just because condensation is based off of heat outside mm-hmm. cold outside yeah to it's like cracking a cold one on a hot day it is yeah you get that you get that nice wet can sweaty yeah so <clears throat> let me give you a scenario then yeah Do you it. want to camp next to water or mm-hmm. at least pretty close you're in a gorge. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just say you're in a guardian. Mm-hmm. Maybe a Cimarron. Yeah. And you got two people in there breathing condensation wise. Mm-hmm. You know you're going to have it this time of the year, no yeah. matter what. Where are you going to set up? You're in a gorge by a creek, beautiful creek. Maybe say you're in Grants Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wow. yeah no so so you uh, you're you're camping next to a you're camping next to a you're in a gorge in a valley where the cold is going to sink in yeah you're next to a creek which is applying humidity to mm-hmm. the air where and what are you looking for in a campsite to to not only prevent condensation but also have an advantage of being really close to water like what are you looking for yeah yeah so i mean it it's kind of tough right i mean with the smaller tents condensation's already a bigger issue right because there's less surface area for moisture to to you know essentially spread out to where the condensation is less so there's always going to be condensation you're in a you're in a valley um cold air is sinking um so what i'm looking for is i'm looking like uh you know uh, on the colorado river here and it's it's tough because it's all going to depend on you know there's some gorges where literally you know, if you're doing a, a pack rafting trip, there's one camp spot here and that's, you're kind of stuck there. Um, but generally I'm going to be looking for a little bit higher of a spot if there's some sort of hill, um, that you can pitch on, you know, mm-hmm. cause it, what I, 
at this point, what you're trying to do is you're trying to minimize. There's there's probably going to be condensation if you're by a river. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's going to depend on how how much elevation you have above that river. Yeah. Um, if you can find a hill, but I'm looking for a hill. Um, ideally, I'm looking for something with with dirt as as the ground, um, because what a lot of people don't realize is any vegetation uh, is going to hold moisture inside of it. When you throw your tent up on top of it, especially if you don't have it pitched up off the ground, it's a it's a greenhouse. It's, it's a greenhouse. A, it's a greenhouse in the day, and then at night, you have all that moisture inside your shelter, mm-hmm. and it has to. Yep. <clears throat> so I'm looking for dirt or or rocks or anywhere with less vegetation. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but you know, you also still want to want to you want to make sure that you can still also get down to the to the water mm-hmm. pretty easily. Um, but yeah, I mean, roughly just like a hill, uh, if you can't find a hill or, or you can't find a spot like that, it's always a good idea to pitch your tent up a little bit off the ground. That'll help with condensation. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, bring in something like a ground tarp, uh, something to minimize the surface area of vegetation underneath your tent is, is also going to help. But if you can find a dirt, uh, like a dirty hill with not a lot of vegetation, that's going to be the the prime suspect for a good camp spot. So, so that seems like the compromise is trying to find if you're in a gorge, which you are often in, in Colorado, uh, gorge or cliffy area where heat, <clears throat> where cold is going to sink into it. Mm-hmm. So your 70 degrees in the day is going to turn into 25 at night. Mm-hmm. You're looking for no vegetation, mm-hmm. right? Um, you're looking for a spot a little bit higher above the river. So you don't have that moisture because that mm-hmm. cold is going to push, push the moisture towards the river. Um, and then you're looking for some airflow because condensation is, is that temperature difference, mm-hmm. right? So when you have that airflow, you aren't having those condensation issues as much. Um, would you be taking a stove? Let's say it's 70 and 25. Is that something you're taking or it kind of depends. I mean, I think, uh, depends on how far you're going, how steep it is. I mean, that's a situation where, you know, if you have a good bag, you're going to be fine. It's not yeah. like it's going to be cold no. at night. Um, but you know, the stove is a luxury and a stove is really going to cut down on condensation, right? I mean, it's it, going it to burns off moisture. Out. It makes everything dry. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it kind of just depends on the, on the situation. Um, all right, well, let's move on to a new one. Okay. So it's uh it's like uh uh, you're going on a hunting trip in you know call it late october november Mm -hmm. uh some sort of rifle hunt um you're going with you know two or three other people so probably taking a red cliff okay um but you saw the weather you're going to be camped up like there's not a ton of camp spots you you might be up on top of a a ridge or something like that but there's a snowstorm coming in what are you looking for so my first goal would be, if there is a snowstorm coming in, would be to get camp set up mm-hmm. before that. And the reason for that is then I'm not going to have to deal with ground that has snow on it. Mm-hmm. If I'm getting up there when there is snow, I'm going to try and dig it out. Because November, it's likely not going to be a ton of snow. Mm-hmm. The ground's probably going to be a little bit frozen. So I'm going to look for a flat spot, a little bit higher, you know, um, that has you know, minimal snow cover on it. Probably not going to be by a ton of trees just in case the snow gets really crazy and starts mm-hmm. dropping branches. Cause it can be wet snow at this, yeah. that time of the year. Um, yeah, I'm just, I, I think my biggest priority in that is just finding a spot that's going to be very minimal snow or that it hasn't snowed on quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um, setting up there, looking for a spot that can fit a red cliff. It's a mm-hmm. bigger tent. Um, but aside from those things, yeah. Um, definitely taking a stove and, uh, definitely taking a few tarps just in case Mm. the ground is wet and frozen and the stove starts to heat up and it starts to thaw out. Taking a few of those fearlessly floorless ground sheets just in case. Yeah. So what about, uh, is that a situation where you are looking to take like line lock extensions? Obviously if it's like a light tent, like do you, are, is that a circumstance where you'd be like, just with the snow, man, I should probably start taking some line locks? You know, for me, I'd really just probably take a, a, a better stake, you know, yeah. like our twisted aluminum stakes is probably all I would take mm-hmm. just because the ground's going to be a bit frozen probably um, that time of the year. 
And, um, yeah, I'd probably just take some better stakes. And I'd probably have the tent down to the ground. I'd take some liners, too. Um, at that point, you're going to wake up with a freeze inside the tent a mm-hmm. little bit every night yeah. or every morning, uh, which will burn off as you run the stove. So that that scenario, I, for me, I'd, I'd probably have the tent pretty close to the ground, two liners, a stove, and... Again, it depends on how many days you're going to be out there. I'm just thinking like my hunt, which is mm-hmm. second season, um, which is so up in the air. It can be pretty warm or it can be ridiculously cold. Yeah. I think last year I hunted second season with you in the same area I'll be going, and it was like negative 10 driving up in the morning, right? Yeah. So yeah, it was cold. Ridiculously <laughs> cold. Yeah. So having the stove and the liners, like, I mean, it, it's worth whatever extra weight you're going to be carrying. Um, my sleeping bag is only rated till five degrees. So yeah. I'm not really playing around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You definitely want a stove and you brought up a good point there. Um, like everybody kind of wants to, wants to camp in shelter, right? You want to have, you want to have trees. It's just generally a, a good thing to have near you. Cause you're going to have firewood. It also can protect you from the elements, but you gotta, I mean, um, you know, like, like call them dead man's for or uh what are they called widow widow makers widow makers basically just you know dead trees um that are just waiting to fall down um with heavy snow or or high winds Mm -hmm. um so you know which can just it happen that time of the year it's it's all very much up in the air and and so me and kevin actually that brings up a story me and kevin october like er, first season rifle Mm -hmm. colorado we were camped at about 10,000 feet. We were in a DCF Cimarron at the time. We were camped up there. We had a stove. We didn't really use it too much because it ended up being pretty warm. But then a big storm started blowing in. Mm-hmm. And we had 56 new mile an hour winds. But where we were camped, we were under some some trees. But the trees were, you know, dying or, you know, pine killed or something. And so we woke up in the morning to 30 mile an hour winds. Mm-hmm. Hear them creaking. Yeah. I go over to my hunting spot, which is about a mile away. And the wind starts to pick up more. On our way back, three trees had fallen in front of us as, really? as we were walking back to camp. And so we, we packed up camp as quick as we could and just headed down. Because by the by the end of the day, we were looking at 60-mile-an-hour winds, hearing yeah. trees fall every 10 minutes. Yeah. And it just wasn't a scenario where we couldn't find a spot where a tree wouldn't touch us mm-hmm. if we had camp set up. Yeah. So we were just like, this isn't worth it, right? That, that's yeah. a lot of risk. You know, yeah. trees are not light. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't want to be sleeping in my sleeping bag and hear, boom, yeah. you know, right next to me. Well, and like, and just camping out in the open uh, in that situation is also risky because, I mean, 60 mile an hour winds. Oh, it is terrible. I mean, no matter what tent you have, that that you have a good chance of something going on. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not a camper. Yeah. It's a tent. So... Here's a, here's, a, here's an interesting situation that I'm going to build for myself, but just off of that experience that I think a lot of people could use as a tip. Mm-hmm. First season rifles, hit or miss. It can be cold as heck. Mm-hmm. It can be warm as heck. Yes, so much in between. Me and Kevin, and Kevin taught me this trick. The DCF Cimarron has line locks on it, mm-hmm. which allow you to raise it off the ground or mm-hmm. lower it down to the ground. And we had it raised off the ground just to minimize any condensation we would be having because, again, you had those big temperature extremes. Mm-hmm. What we did is we put logs around the, sh- the shelter about a foot away. Mm-hmm. Uh, we put logs and had it raised as high as we could off the ground. And effectively, what those rocks, those logs did is stop any draft because you might have a small wind at night, and that small wind can start biting you, mm-hmm. you know, especially if it's on your zipper side of your sleeping bag and stuff. So we put logs around all the tent, but we still had airflow and the ability for that air to normalize inside the tent and outside. So that's kind of a cool tip, raising yeah. the tent off the ground, putting logs around it. It's just got, It's kind of a crafty tip, but then yeah. no condensation at all. But no drafts at all. Mm. It's kind of a win-win, and and depending on where you're camped, you can or can't do that. But it was a it was a cool tip. Yeah. Cool tip I learned. Well, you could probably do that with like dirt if you had the, if it's like softer dirt. You can if, kind yeah, of like if you really need build to. up a little. The only snow. the only issue with dirt and snow is if you have the tent off the ground and you actually get a big wind, it's going to blow inside the tent. Yeah, yeah, that's Versus true. Versus the logs are just they're logs. Yeah, you know they aren't they aren't blown inside the tent. So just having some kind of barrier that allows air to climate yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah Um, insulation yeah yeah well okay so next scenario what about uh summertime camping 
like uh like our fishing trip this this past year so you got rain bugs probably not rain bugs probably not going to be windy um but you're probably going to have like afternoon thunderstorms coming through uh where where are you looking for there i'm going to look for a high spot and i'm going to look for a place that doesn't have any runoff potential because those afternoon monsoon things in colorado or wherever you are can really start running Mm -hmm. so the biggest thing i'd be looking for is a high spot um i would obviously be taking a nest for bugs and stuff Mm -hmm. but i've only had one time where i set up in a bad place and it rained and snowed just terrible and we had a river running through the tent yeah but if you choose the right spot where you're at a high point um, which generally is more easy to find than you think, mm. um, then you're going to be pretty well off because water isn't going to pool or run through your tent and stuff. It's going to go down the hill. It's yeah. going to go down. So that's probably my biggest tip, you know, with storms like that is rain, sleet, anything that's going to have a lot of moisture. You're going to want to find a high spot so nothing wants to run underneath your tent or into your tent. Uh, it's just all going to run down the hill, Yeah, which can be harder the bigger shelter you have. Yeah. Well, and that's a situation where you got to be kind of concerned about like thunder and lightning if you're up Mm -hmm. at high altitude. So trying to have like some trees nearby, not being like super close to water because, you know, lightning hits the water. It can, you know, it can climb up, you know, tree roots and stuff like that. Um, So, you know, just just being cautious of that. And the more the more water that you have near you in that situation just means more mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, trying to stay away from any bogs is, oh, for sure. is yeah. also a good I mean, option. That's, that's totally another thing is like looking for the driest spot, you know, is going to keep the skeeters away a little bit. Yep. Um, yeah. And some, something in the sun I found, at least in my yeah. opinion, like keeps mosquitoes and bugs away a little bit more. Not, not as much flies and those bigger bugs, but more so the mosquitoes, which yeah. I, I would say are more the pests to me. Yeah. So something that's out of the shade, kind of in the open, mm-hmm. high point, you know. A lot of the times you can't find the wind for all of these. You yeah. Know? You can't always find the, a high spot that you're near water, like your scenario. You can't always find these perfect things, but you can look for the best for the condition, conditions you're going to expect. Yeah. Like you can use bug spray and stuff to fight off mosquitoes. You can use the thermosol and stuff, but you might be close to a bog on a high point for when that rain comes or something. Yeah. Right. So just a lot of things taken account. Yeah. Well, and I mean like if, you know, I, I just think about Colorado in the summer, like afternoon thunderstorms, especially if you're at high altitude, it's a game. It, it's a given. It's going to happen. You're like basically guaranteed. Yeah. And if, if, it, so like making sure that you're not in a spot where water's going to congregate but also you know if if you have to camp above tree line which sometimes you do uh like depending on what lake or wherever you're going just you know maybe having a a spot that you can run to if it if you do get a bad thunderstorm coming right overhead mm-hmm. um and then you know maybe setting up a tarp or something in that little tree grove or something just so that you can you know kind of you know, ditch out real quick trees get struck by lightning too right they they do they do but you um, always want something taller than you <laughs> yeah exactly no an interesting scenario i was in this summer that doesn't necessarily involve tents but we had a very wet and thunderstormy summer this year even in grand junction mm. which is a fairly dry place it is kind of the desert high desert you know um i was out on a motorcycle ride off road um and i was pretty far away from town or anything and I saw a thunderstorm coming in, and I thought, I was, ah, I'll probably beat it, you know? Mm-hmm. Sometimes these storms, you know, they can just be a light drizzle, or they can be just torrential rainfall. Yeah. Um, and you really can't tell, honestly. No. And so I was on that ride, and all of a sudden, I start hearing and seeing thunder around me, and I'm at a pretty high point. Mm-hmm. To my left, by a few hundred yards, is a really big canyon, mm-hmm. you know, and we're in these shorter trees and stuff, and I was like... It started to get more and more over my head, like where it would be like thunder mm-hmm. or lightning and then thunder almost instantly. Yeah. So the storm was right over me. So I ran down into this wash, which was about 200 vertical below. Mm-hmm. And and it was one of those scenarios where it's like, well, it might flash flood right <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. But I'm not probably less likely to get struck by lightning. So... And that's how it is with camping too. Yeah. It's a trade off. Yeah. I was at a low point. <clears throat> if the water kept going, 
I was likely going to see water there, mm-hmm. possibly a flash flood. However, my chances of being struck by lightning that was almost instantly, you know, thundering right yeah. after I'd see it were much lower than being at that high point. So, yeah. um, it's all, there's so many give like trade-offs and stuff like yeah. that. So. Yeah. I mean, it's a give and take. So Ryan, let me hit you with another situation here, um, that we haven't really talked about. We've talked about summer. We've talked about early mid fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk like a late, season elk hunts which could be in december which there's definitely going to be snow in yeah. high elevations and it's definitely going to be cold and it's going to suck yeah, yeah. <laughs> um my first advice get a hotel but uh, <laughs> i'm just kidding yeah um you're going to take out an eight man maybe with two or three dudes mm-hmm. uh you're going to have snow on the ground what are you looking for in a campsite you're going to have a lot of snow on the ground likely yeah unless it's a terrible winter but yeah, so it kind of depends, and this is just for like all winter camping, you know. Uh, so with that, like winter camping, I'm probably going to be a little bit more, a little bit closer to the truck, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because you know you're probably snowshoeing in, and snowshoeing is going to be like you know you go two miles via snowshoes. That's like eight can, miles. Can for- we just, can we just stop and talk about? how terrible of a sport snowshoeing is i know it is actually the worst thing i've ever done the the people that do it for fun are psychopaths man they're psychopaths yeah my father is a psychopath oh yeah uh anybody who has snowshoes and they're like at least cross-country ski like that's at least yeah or (laughs) i mean if you're gonna go hunting if you're hunting with snowshoes on sure but just straight snowshoeing um i don't agree with people who snowshoe yeah, on agree. most things that Can- they cancel snowshoe <laughs> yeah 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 get them blocked on instagram yeah, man yeah. um no yeah I, I feel that but probably gonna be um you know closer to the truck um you know again this is probably a situation where you're looking for um you know a little bit of cover uh with like trees or something around so that if you do get a, a big snowstorm you know Typically, the, the snow levels are a little bit lower mm-hmm. in, in trees, but also you have protection from winds and stuff like that. And I, I feel like the winds aren't <clears throat> as bad later in the year. Typically not, yeah. Unless you have a really bad storm moving in, but I still don't feel that they get that high. Yeah, sometimes in the spring, like if you still got a bunch of snow in the spring. Oh, for sure. Um, but, you know, and then it's also going to depend on the snow conditions, right, where you're looking for because, uh, you know, some – some snow is going to be like later in the season mm-hmm. if you're doing like february or something there's going to be hard you know crustier snow well yeah i um, guess i guess we can talk about those two situations because yeah as we both run floorless shelters mm-hmm. and most people in the winter will um you know december snow is going to be really soft mm-hmm. it's going to be really deep it's going to be one yep. of those things you're going to post hole through really easily yeah um walking in and that's kind of why we have the snowshoes there so uh, huge thing with that is going to be, even if you dig it out, which could be really deep, um, it's going to be a pain in the butt. Yeah. You're best off with a dead man some, anchor Yep. in that kind of stuff. Some dead mans and like what, like what we, what we did this past year was dig the trench, mm-hmm. you know, you dig a trench for the stakeout points that kind of, um, you know, helps with, helps with the pitching and you can, you can definitely use snow to your advantage, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. um, you know, well, it especially does, if it's does, wet snow. It does end up acting as an insulator to a certain point. It does. Yeah. Oh, it for sure does, yeah. especially if it's, like, on the actual tent. But, yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of, like, uh, a spot, I'm probably just looking for, you know, somewhere that's a little bit more protected from, from the elements. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm definitely bringing a stove. If you do bring a st- stove in the snow, it's always good to have something – um, either like a stove stand or some piece of metal yeah. um, to put underneath the snow so that those those feet are not just sliding and you know because yeah as soon as the sinking. stove yeah sinking um, but even like even if you just put like the feet on there uh, you know the stove's gonna melt and so it's good to have like you can even bring like one of those uh, you can bring a, st- a stove stand but you can also bring aluminum foil or any sort of like heat reflectant, mm-hmm. uh, you know, option to put underneath the, the stove and it's going to keep that stove from sinking down as quickly as it would without that. So, so let, let me counter <clears throat> and then give another kind of situation here too. 
when there's two really good videos to reference. I feel like the video you and I did on mm-hmm. the courthouse um, setting that up in the winter, we, we were having a big storm coming in and it was pretty deep, what, like mm-hmm. 24 inches of snow? Yeah. Um, and that was probably early, late December um, mm-hmm. video. Uh, that's a really good video to reference because we use dead man's. We dig it out. We do, you know, mm-hmm. we do a lot of different situations. There's also another video that me and Kevin did, which is really good to reference, where he, as the crafty man he is, he takes a stove, and what he does is he whittles out little pieces in like a maybe a 24-inch long stick mm-hmm. on each side. He whittles out mm-hmm. exactly where the stove is going to go. So not only does do those twigs with their extra, like, uh, extra twigs on them give a big surface area in the snow mm-hmm. you don't have to bring anything else in yeah it's just a quick whittle mm. and it puts the stove another six inches off the ground and so that's that's going to keep the heat from radiating too bad yeah. uh, so those are two really good reference videos but what i'll bring you to now so we've talked about like where you're going to set up and stuff and like how you would set up now let's talk about end of february going into march where it's warming up in the mountains mm-hmm. you may have had a freeze and thaw or, or you might you may have had a warm you know, day mm-hmm. where the snow starts to melt a little bit and then it freezes really hard at night because it's still late in the season. Um, it's still winter up there. Uh, so you get a little bit of freeze. Now, in that frozen stuff, you might have the opportunity to start using snow stakes. Yeah. I think in Colorado, most of us around March, you know, that's when we can start actually pitching our tents in the snow without a dead man anchor mm. maybe late february so that's another crusty it, it gets that crust yeah mm. and it's a little bit frozen by then the ground is so frozen digging out and all that stuff becomes not an option yeah. and dead man anchors because if there was a uh, a thaw and freeze um <clears throat> dead man anchors at that point you're just digging up crust so you have mm. nothing to put it underneath yeah um with your snowshoes, you can also pack down the area you're going to be putting your shelter. Yeah. Uh, you got to be crafty for late, yeah. late season stuff like that. You do. You really do. And like, uh, you know, pitching on a, if you have a frozen lake or something, you can bring. Oh, we did that Yeah, last you can year. bring like screws um, or, you know, you could bring like twisted sticks. It's going to take a little bit longer. But that, you know, I would say that's the most ideal is if you have like a solid, you know, foot and a half, two feet worth of ice on a lake, like in later a sa- February. A very, 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 very safe amount of ice. Yeah. It's going to be. Yeah. It, but it's, it's the a- best for like pitching a tent. Probably the easiest, you know. Especially because you can pull like a ski pulk mm-hmm. on your backpack. Yeah. And that's going to be like, you can carry that Dewalt drill now with yeah. two batteries. Yeah. And set your tent up. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, a sled, regardless, is always nice. Well, um, if you're going to for... be packing out an animal. Oh, yeah. And you're wearing snowshoes, you poor son of a gun. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But even just, like, for carrying your camp stuff, I mean, it's, you know, because you got to think about it. You, even snowshoes, the surface area of those things is just, like, you're still going to be sinking. Oh, for sure. Whereas, like, a sled, it's, it, you know, that it's surface light. area is spread out, yeah. you know, the weight. So Especially once you get weight. I mean, because... For a guy like me, he's probably about 200 pounds at the moment. If I put 80 pounds of animal in a backpack and I start hiking, like, dude, I'm, I'm going to sink yeah. quite a bit. But if I put that in the sled, you know, things start getting easier. Yep. Um, especially if it's all downhill hike back to the truck, yeah. which generally isn't the case. <laughs> it's usually, you're, you're going to be hunting more flat areas towards that time of the year. Probably. you're not going to be going up yeah. that steep slope that you would during first season. But you never know. You Maybe do never some know. Some people do be true. doing that. They're a bit extreme. I, I, th- yeah. I think, what would you say are your three takeaways for any environment? Well, I think, I'm, I mean, I think it's just planning is the number one thing and like weather conditions, adjusting your, your camping. I, I think like always having a couple spots that look like, you know, even just on Onyx, like just looking oh that looks like a camp spot yeah. having a couple of those is always great because you know you could always go to your first one and somebody's there or you know second, third yeah your yeah. second third one there could be people there or like you know a tree could have fallen down right in that little yeah. opening that you were planning on pitching so um lots of uh lots of different options are good and i think uh you know it's just a matter of really backpacking and camping is just knowing like kind of what you're what you're comfortable with right like in the winter 
mm-hmm. probably want to be a little bit closer to the truck just because there's something conditions are, wrong. yeah conditions yeah. are are that much more harsh right mm-hmm. it's going to be harder for people to get back in there if they need to come snag you yeah. um so i would i would just say like planning and then you know bringing the correct uh tent setup and really battling condensation is such a big thing it's like it's just something with every single tent that you're probably going to deal with uh especially smaller tents is condensation yeah and kind of knowing how to deal with it and knowing where to mitigate you know where you can camp to mitigate condensation um it you know that's a that's a big thing i don't know what what did you take away I mean, my, my three takeaways are similar. Um, it's going to be a little more concise. Be prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, weather changes at high elevations insanely quick. You can wake up to uh, 10,000 feet. It can be 70 degrees, and then the next day it can be 20 degrees, and there's 18 inches of snow. Just be prepared. Know what you're going into. Um, having a garment to pull weather reports and stuff is really important. Or a Zolia. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> um, having something you can pull weather reports with is really important um, just to know. Like, yeah. Sometimes you really do just have to get out of there. Like, example, that time when I was hunting with my dad mm-hmm. and those big winds were coming in, it was supposed to be like 12 inches of snow that were coming in. I wasn't prepared for that. Yeah. You know, I could have made it through, but I wouldn't have been happy. I wouldn't have enjoyed it. I wasn't yeah. wearing the adequate footwear. It was a warm season. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, number one, just being prepared. Well, and just like – to that point i mean like even just moving you know 300 yards in one direction can help you with certain weather conditions you know if you see For the, sure. if you're camped in a in a thick pine forest and then you get a weather report that you know the winds are coming through you might want to might want to dip out just because yeah. trees will blow down and stuff like that so so yeah being prepared um being crafty is a huge one no matter what kind of shelter, yeah. what kind of camping you're doing, being crafty is huge. Um, you may have, let's say you leave your tent up in the woods and mm-hmm. it snows 18 inches and it's wet snow, heavy snow in that early October, late November, like or early October to early November time frame. It snows a ton. You've left your tent up there. And your pole breaks. Like you got to be crafty mm-hmm. um, because, our, I mean, number one, our shelters are designed to break the pole before they break the shelter because it's a lot easier to replace a hundred dollar pole than it is a eight hundred dollar shelter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So being crafty in the aspect where you can build a take a stick mm-hmm. and build that out. Right. Yeah. And then being crafty in the way you can whittle out those those pieces of log or pieces of stick for your stove to stand on that snow. Yeah being yeah so and that that goes along with being prepared right yeah building like putting logs on the side there's also i know people have talked about this i I know we wanted to kind of test this out but um people have talked about like building cold air trenches when you're winter camping and like digging out Mm -hmm. little trenches in the snow um which you know could lead could bring all that cold air down into that trench and you can kind of dig it out so that it escapes from the tent there's a there is a ton of craftiness yep um that comes with those later more extreme season camping yeah um and then yeah the last thing is just having good gear and being prepared um in the same aspects it's like if you're going out for an early season hunt it can be cold mm-hmm. your 30 degree sleeping bag might not cut it yeah you can pull those weather reports but they're not not always accurate like just being comfortable with the stuff you have is huge. Doing those summer camping trips where there's less risk of your life, not yeah. to say like doing that doing that early camping trip in the summer with your gear or your new gear that you just got is going to be you're going to have your gear figured out by the time you get to those later season more extreme times you're going to be out in the woods. So, well, and that is a good point that we didn't really hit on with like finding a camp spot Mm -hmm. setting up your tent is probably a big one and like the stove like setting that up at home like because you know we the the u-turn stove a lot of people um say that it's a little bit harder to set up yeah 
And I think some of that comes from a lot of people choose to set their stove up for the first time in the field when their hands are cold. Yeah. They're like, you know, their, their fingers can't move. They got gloves on and they're trying to, you know, screw these little bits and pieces on. If you can set that thing up at home and especially with the stoves, like burn them in, but also like with the, with the tents, just setting it up, knowing how to get a Being tight quick. pitch. Yeah. And get, getting your shelter up quick because exactly. shelter, I mean, ultimately sometimes situations turn bad. Maybe you get wet when it's mm-hmm. really cold out. Um, being able to set up shelter and have heat inside of it quickly it can be the difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, I'm not like one of those people who's like super extreme about that stuff, you know, but like just being prepared is huge. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing with having, it is almost exactly the same as being, being prepared with the gear that you have is almost the exact same as knowing how to tie a tourniquet, knowing how to do that stuff yeah. because it can be, a life-saving event Mm -hmm. you know and it's i'm not extreme about that i've been in tons of gnarly conditions and gnarly experiences and i've never felt like my life was at threat but if it was like if i was crossing a creek and i didn't really know a creek was there in the middle of winter and i fell in Mm -hmm. right like knowing how to put up shelter and knowing how to get (laughs) get a fire going get your fire going is is huge yeah massive definitely i mean yeah and Kind of started with finding your camp spots, how to pick a camp spot, but we we got to we'll, uh, we'll call we'll call it the prepared. yeah we'll call it the PP preparedness pitching and preparedness preparedness and practice yeah yeah the PP PP rule all you need the PP rule PP rule anyways <laughs> now that we're well, at the PP rule thanks for coming my thanks. name's Ryan <laughs> and I'm Owen <laughs> and this is the Seek Outside podcast. Peace. Peace.